welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco's Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more.
Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being with us today. We're so happy to have you here joining us for worship. Uh, if you're new here, welcome. We're so glad you are spending this hour with us. If you've been visiting and have been joining us for a while, welcome back. We are so glad that you found us. Uh, and to our members and friends, welcome. It's good to have you here this morning. Uh, my name is Allison Jacks. I'm the associate minister here at UUSF. Uh, Reverend Vanessa Southern, our senior minister, was to be here this morning, but she developed an ear infection yesterday and was only able to get a doctor's appointment this morning. So we uh, join me in wishing her well and fast healing, and uh, we know she's in good hands, and I know she'll appreciate your prayers and, and good wishes. Um, um, I want to thank our technicians in the house this morning and our musicians. Uh, we have Jennifer Perringer and Ben Gould, who's going to be leading us in music. And a big welcome back to Rako Lane up in the choir loft. She's in the house this morning playing live, and we are so happy to have her here. And I know all of you, though you may not be able to see her, you can really feel her music uh, with us this morning. So welcome back, Rako. Today, we are very lucky to have as our preacher Sharon Weld, who has been our ministerial intern here at our church since October 1st. And Sharon has had one of the more unusual internships in the history of this church since the time of COVID-19, but she has shown throughout her internship grace under pressure throughout, and her former career as a therapist has served her good stead in these times, bringing grace and warmth and attention and care to all who she has been in service to, our pastoral care team, our lay chaplain team, to our wider congregation, I know to our staff. We have been thrilled and honored to have you with us. We're so grateful that you're gonna be leading us in worship this morning. It's been a joy to have her here. Sharon will be with us through June 30th, so I hope this morning you will enjoy the service. And now I'm gonna invite Sharon to come up to light our candle. That one. <laughs> and we light this candle as a way of bringing our spirits and hearts into this place until such time as we gather again. Broken line, move 
of the faithful spirits at the call divine. Wider grows the vision, realm of love and light, for it we must labor till our faith is sight. Prophets have proclaimed it, martyrs testified, poets sung its glory, heroes for it unbroken line, move the faithful spirits at the call divine. Not alone we conquer, not alone we fall, in each loss or Please join in saying our unison chalice lighting. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. And we have a few invitations for you this morning. Number one on the list is our annual congregational meeting, which is today at 12.30, right after the coffee hour, on Zoom, of course. This year's meeting will include the Ann Dillon Award, the selection of new board and nominating committee members, and a reading of the May Treat Morrison Trust. Your presence is desired. Secondly, and importantly, this year's Unitarian Universalist Association General Assembly, which is fully online this year, will start on June 24th. As always, there's a rich offering of lectures, program, and worship, and more. There are many offerings which are open to the public and are free. It's a great opportunity to find out more about who we are and to meet our members from across the country. So check out all the options in the order of service. Also, um, continuing here at our church Zoom life, we are offering an array of educational opportunities, and here are a few reminders. Check out small groups for the summer. 
there's the poetry reading with Vanessa, and a, a particular note about our Monday morning meditation, which is that tomorrow morning will be the last meditation um, for the summer, and the other meditations through the rest of the week will continue. Also, check out the programs for the humanist and non-theist group, as well as for the 20s and 30s community. And one more thing, um, there are a number of opportunities for virtual, virtual involvement at the national level around the work of the Poor People's Campaign, so check those out on the order of service as well. A lot to keep you busy. Now join in our spoken covenant and sung doxology. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. Let songs of hope and faith arise. 
arise, let peace, good will on earth be sung through every land by every tongue. Recognizing there is human suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophes, we ring our gong today in honor of three such places of struggle and suffering. We ring our gong first as we have since last July in honor of the seven children who lost their lives in federal custody in our detention camps. And we let its ringing symbolically stand for those adults who have lost their lives in these camps, those who remain in such camps, many separated from their families, and many now infected by COVID-19 or at risk of catching the infection. We ring our gong additionally once for the losses of, of the losses of the virus we know by the name of COVID-19. 19,840 lost their lives around the world this week from COVID-19. 5,479 people in the United States alone. We hold in our hearts all who continue to risk their lives to provide essential services, suffer of job loss, and those whose lives are especially, especially vulnerable to the disease. Finally, this week again, we hold black lives in our time of remembrance those lost to brutality and legalized murder these most recent weeks and months, but more so to the awakening and mourning and a call here in the United States for the true emancipation of black lives to live and love and flourish and be protected. In that spirit, we ring our gong five times, one for each of the five centuries of life lived under the yoke of slavery, prejudice, and white supremacy culture. May we keep those we have named and all who loved and loved them in our thoughts and prayers. And may we ease the tide of human suffering this week, however so we can.
Join me now in a time of spoken prayer and meditation and a time for silence. Spirit of love that moves in us and through us, we come together in this time of spoken and silent meditations of the heart. Abide with us, spirit of compassion, as the power of healing, the love that will not let us go. We come together in our brokenness, recognizing the suffering and pain for black and brown lives. Richard Brooks, we say your name. We pray. We commit ourselves to justice-making in the name of love. For our sisters and brothers in tent cities on our city streets, we pray. We commit ourselves to justice-making in the name of love. For those who are going hungry in our country of plenty, we pray. We commit ourselves to justice-making in the name of love. For those mothers and fathers and children caught on the border, incarcerated, detained, we pray. And we commit our lives to justice-making in the name of love. For the sick and dying, denied care, and treatment, we pray. And we commit ourselves to justice-making in the name of love. For all that is in our hearts, our joys and our sorrows, our hopes and our dreams, our meditations for making the world a better place for all, we commit ourselves to justice-making. And in the name of love, let us build our beloved community. Join me now in a time of silent meditation and prayer.
Amen.
Our first reading for today is a poem written by Mercy Amba Oduyoy, who is a renowned Ghanaian theologian, also an educator, writer, and poet. The list of her degrees and writings and accomplishments is lengthy. She has worked to address multiple social concerns, among them poverty and women's rights. She's the founder of the Circle of Concerned African Women Theologians. This poem is called The Story of the Circle. A circle expands forever. It covers all who wish to hold hands and its size depends on each other. It is a vision of solidarity. It turns outward to interact with the outside and inward for self-critique. A circle expands forever. It is a vision of accountability. It grows as the other is moved to grow. A circle must have a center, but a single dot does not make a circle. One tree does not make a forest. A circle, a vision of cooperation, mutuality, and care. Today's offering goes to the support and work of the ministries of this congregation. The offering will now be given and very gratefully received.
Our second reading is from the Reverend Dr. Rebecca Parker, a poem entitled, In the Midst of a World. In the midst of a world marked by tragedy and beauty, there must be those who bear witness against unnecessary destruction and who with faith rise and lead in freedom with grace and power. There must be those who speak honestly and do not avoid seeing what must be seen of sorrow and outrage, of tenderness and wonder. There must be those whose grief troubles the water while their voices sing and speak refreshed worlds. There must be those whose exuberance rises with lovely energy that articulates Earth's joys. There must be those who are restless for respectful and loving companionship among human beings whose presence invites people to be themselves without fear. There must be those who gather with the congregation of remembrance and compassion, draw water from old wells, and walk the simple path of love for neighbor. And there must be communities of people who seek to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, who call on the strength of soul force to heal, transform, and bless life. There must be religious witness.
I have been struggling with how to say thank you and goodbye to a whole church full of people, especially all at once and especially amid the weight of this pandemic and this time of protest. I thought first about telling stories of the many lovely, warm, and funny interactions I've had with many of you, but clearly there isn't time or space right now. I want, though, to name a few groups with much thanks. To Carrie and the whole Board of Trustees who have welcomed me to their meetings and shown me how leadership works. To my wonderful intern committee, chaired by Marie Kazan Kumarek and Mary Jane Mikaria, all of whom have been so supportive and worked so hard. And to the staff, Jonathan, Joe, Laura, Susie, they are the most devoted and conscientious group of humans you would ever want to meet. And thanks, too, for Reiko, especially for being here today. Thank you, Reiko. And for Mark for their musical magic. And to the lovely lay chaplains, Jan, Marty, Linda, Liz, and Gino, they have been a mini home of warmth for more than just this year. And then there are the ministers, Allison and Vanessa. They are the best possible examples of ministry a person could want to follow. There is gravitas there and humor both, and what a gift that is. And Vanessa, who gave me hours and hours and hours of her time, I'll just say she's been the epitome of generosity, wisdom, and support, just for starters. There's no way to thank her enough. As a community, though, you have welcomed me so warmly as an intern in your church home. You've left me free to wander, free to explore and try on every hat in the closet. You've generously let me be myself to see what I might become in the midst of this community. Who gets to do that as a visitor in someone's home? The welcoming has been remarkable. And what seems particular about it to me, maybe radical, is a quality that's maybe not so obvious. And it is this. Without any evidence at all, you've treated me a beginner in this world of church as if I were already worthy as if I didn't have to prove myself first before you'd give me trust. And what's even more remarkable is that you have given this gift of faith and welcome year after year for a parade of different interns, honoring their worthiness at the start and allowing everything, strength and weakness too, to live here. This seed of radical welcoming is a gift in this world, and also, I believe, a promise for the future. This faithful welcome is an active feature of that ever-expanding circle that our reading describes. I have wondered what the world would be like 
if everyone felt such warm inclusion always. Over time here, I've realized that the full strength of this community is not really fully visible right away. If disaster typically shows up weaknesses in people and in systems, this pandemic seems to have done the opposite in this church. With the citywide shutdown, life changed completely in an instant. And what happened here? A collective strength showed up. Gathered wisdom, including experts, gave a thoughtful start to handling the pandemic. Our leaders stepped up to make a clear and reasoned path, and then began the all-church outreach to contact every single member and make sure that each one was okay. There was a crisscross of communication through the congregation, more people offering help than asking in need. It seemed the community was awash in compassion and connection. As calls were made, what became visible to me was a part of the weaving that holds this community together. Tug on one little thread and you discover that it's secured by three or four or ten threads winding through the whole. Breakfast groups, dinner groups, singing groups, book groups, RE groups, small groups, justice groups, and all those retired ministers and more, the list goes on. There's a semi-invisible network of support and strength out there, like so many trees rooted and intertwined in anchoring the forest. No wonder this congregation seems to have turned on a dime in response to this pandemic. It's a community that holds each other steady in a storm. But this other crisis, the one that centers justice in particular, has highlighted for us a different demand, I think. A demand that's forward-leaning, a demand that needs us, in Aduyoy's metaphor, to be reaching out to interact with others, but also reaching in, she says, in self-critique. We are called both to broaden our circle of welcome and first, perhaps, to welcome our more vulnerable and more connected selves. This call is for inclusivity one that stretches us beyond our normal bounds. Inclusivity is the challenge now, but the idea is not a new one. We already value the worth and dignity of every being. We recognize each human's incredible worth, as the faithful fools would say it. We are about our common humanity, and who would argue with that? The trouble is that inclusivity can sound so easy in the abstract. It shouldn't be so hard, one thinks. Of course, all folks are welcome. I was thinking I've spent half my hard-earned vacations in life 
trying exactly to find experiences of difference. I've paid my saved up dollars, sometimes going to great lengths to see people and things that are not like me, so to speak. It's interesting, it's fun, right? Experiencing something new, even, though, even if it's just down the street. We do that all the time. But it seems there's, there's this hitch at the level of the particulars, at the level of living life every day, that easy path to inclusion doesn't seem quite so smooth. I'm thinking, for instance, just of dinner. Suppose we get together to eat and discuss important things. The first stumbling block I see is on the menu. It's cilantro. Yep, cilantro. If we're headed for a happy unity and you think cilantro fits in a food group and isn't a toxic chemical that requires hazmat removal, well, that, that's just not negotiable. Anyone in their right mind knows that cilantro is never welcome in a meal. Oh, and if you bring up the topic of church, if you think we should quit clapping and make no noise at all, how the heck do you get excited about something without making any noise? Like when Reiko was raising the rafters, you want me to just wave my hands in the air? I don't think so. And just don't get me going on changing the order of service. Not a chance. <sighs> there are these pesky things that trip us up and getting over them just doesn't come naturally. It's work. But we, we're a community of values and of vision, and hard work is no stranger here. And if I heard correctly last Saturday, and really before that too, this community is poised to address those justice issues which are front and center now. We already have a start. And when this group commits to something, I feel sure that things will happen. I love Rebecca Parker's words. She makes our position seem so clear. In the midst of a world marked by tragedy and beauty, there must be those who rise and lead in freedom. There must be those who are restless for respectful and loving companionship among human beings, whose presence invites people to be themselves without fear. I think it's the strength of your radical welcoming that we need, an expanding circle that values every single one. It's that gift of faith that you can do so well. And in case you aren't convinced that you are poised to change the world, I want to end by offering you one of my favorite stories. It's called The Rabbi's Gift. This story, or maybe it's a myth, is old and of unknown origin and authorship. 
a monastery had fallen upon very hard times. Once a great order, but over time it had been reduced to only five monks, the abbot and four others, all well into their 70s. The order was dying. Deep in the forest surrounding the monastery, there was a little hut which a rabbi from a nearby town used occasionally for personal retreats. The old monks had developed a sixth sense about the presence of the rabbi and always could tell when he was in the forest. On one such occasion, the abbot, who had been agonizing over the demise of his order, decided to visit the hut and ask the rabbi if he could offer any advice. The rabbi welcomed the abbot into his hut, but when the abbot explained the purpose of his visit, the rabbi could only empathize and commiserate with him. Yes, he said, the spirit seems to have gone out of the people. It's the same in my town. Almost no one comes to synagogue anymore. So it was that the abbot and the rabbi spent time that day talking of deep things. Finally, it came time for the abbot to leave. The men hugged and the abbot said, it's wonderful that we could meet and talk after all these years, but I failed in my purpose for coming. Is there no advice at all you can give me that would help me save my dying order? I'm sorry, the rabbi said, I'm afraid I have no advice to give. All I can tell you, though, is that the Messiah is one of you. Upon his return to the monastery, the abbot was joined by the other monks who asked, well, what did the rabbi say? He couldn't help, the abbot replied. We just sat and talked, and, I was and as I was leaving, he said, he said that the Messiah is one of us. I have no idea what he meant. In the days and weeks and months that followed, the old monks pondered this and wondered if there could be any possible significance to the rabbi's words. The Messiah is one of us? Do you think he meant one of us monks here at the monastery? If he meant one of us, surely he must have been referring to Father Abbot. He's been our leader for more than a generation. On the other hand, I guess he could have meant Brother Thomas. He's, he's a holy man. Everyone that th knows that Thomas is a man of light. Certainly he couldn't have meant Brother Eldred. Eldred is so crotchety. But even though he can be a nuisance, when you look back on it, Eldred virtually always has a valid point to make. Perhaps the rabbi did mean Brother Eldred, but surely not Brother Philip. He's so passive, a real nobody. But then almost magically, Philip has this knack of appearing at your side just when you need him the most. Maybe Philip is the Messiah? But of course, the rabbi wasn't referring to me. I'm, I'm just an ordinary, ordinary person. Yet what if he were? 
what if I am the Messiah, Messiah? Please, God, not me. I couldn't mean that much to you, could I? As they reflected in this manner, the old monks began to treat each other with extraordinary respect on the off chance that one among them really might be the Messiah and on the remote chance that each monk himself might be the Messiah, they each began to treat themselves with extraordinary respect as well. Because the forest was so beautiful, people still occasionally came to visit the monastery to picnic on its tiny lawn, to walk along its paths, to sit quietly in the chapel, as they did so, without even being conscious of it, they sensed this aura of extraordinary respect which seemed to surround these elderly monks and which permeated the atmosphere of the entire place. There was something compelling, empowering about it. Without exactly knowing why, they began to come back to the monastery more frequently to visit to play, to pray. They brought their friends to chair, share this special place, and then their friends brought friends. In time, some of the younger men who came to visit began to talk more with the elderly monks. After a while, one asked if he could join the order, then another, then another. Soon the monastery again housed a thriving order and thanks to the rabbi's gift became a beacon of peace, love, and hope. The end of the story. This is a moment in history that is calling us out for justice and for a larger circle of inclusion. I can't think of any congregation or any church better suited to this work. All the seeds of love and justice are right here in you. Amen. Please join as Reiko plays him Number 318, We Would Be One.
is one we pledge ourselves to greater service with love and justice strive to As you go out to it today, to a world in need, remember that love and the warmth of your welcome go with you. You are part of a circle that expands forever. Go out and make this world a better place. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, weekly flame, and much, much more.